You're listening to Lessons from the Boardroom, a business podcast with Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards. Hi, this is Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards International. In business, we've seen more change in the last 12 months than in the last 12 years combined. And today, Many business owners are feeling overwhelmed and burned out. We have a unique solution to help you feel confident and back in control of your business. Our chief executive boards are a confidential group of non-competing peer CEOs from your local area. We meet quarterly to work through the toughest issues and biggest opportunities you face each quarter. And the proof is in the results. On average, our members double their annual growth rate. What business owner wouldn't want that? To find an upcoming board meeting and attend as a guest, in person or virtually, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com or call us at 864-527-5917. Now, on to the episode. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Minton and welcome to our podcast. It's a real treat to be hosting a conversation with our guests today where we'll be diving into the world of what it's like to run a sizable yet privately held manufacturing company. Our guest today is Scott Groshans, who is the Vice President of Operations for PBI Performance Products Inc. in Rock Hill, South Carolina. PBI was purchased from Selenese by the Intertech Group back in 2005. Scott is a 38-year veteran with the company, which makes high-performance polymers and fibers primarily for the firefighter protective apparel market, a very important sector indeed at the world which helps to save lives. It's with great pleasure that we welcome Scott Groshans to the show. Hello, Scott. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Well, wow, Scott, uh, 38 years with the same company. That's getting to be a, uh, an anomaly, and boy, you must have some stories to tell. Uh, but uh, before we start talking about your career experiences, I'd like to ask you to give us a little background about yourself so that our listeners can get to know you. Sure, Kevin. Um, so I was, uh, I was born in Indiana. And uh, that's where I went to school, um, wound up uh, attending Purdue University and earned a chemical engineering degree. Um, I had co-opt, worked as a co-op engineer for a company named Diamond Shamrock, and I thought that would be who I would wind up going to work for when I graduated. But when I came out of school, that was not a particularly good year for engineers, um, and they weren't able to offer me a job. It was 1982. So I uh, wound up going with a different company, and I, I moved south, um, moved to Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, spent a year there, and then I, um, I got transferred to Rock Hill, where I've been for the past 37 years. I met my wife here. She was a student, uh, a graduate student at Winthrop University at the time, and uh, uh, got married, and we had two children. And um, we've been very happy living here in Rock Hill. Um, we've got a very um, you know, close group of friends here. 
when you're in a community, as long as we've been in it, you, you wind up getting to know quite a few people. Um, personally, I, you know, my interests are, I, I love outdoor activities, hiking and camping. Um, I've been a Boy Scout leader for a number of years. Both of my sons earned their Eagle Scouts, uh, or Eagle Scout awards with uh, the troop that I was helping lead. Um, so we've enjoyed that quite a bit. In the more recent um, history, um, we purchased a second home in Charleston. And so we kind of split time now between Rock Hill and Charleston, and we really enjoy being down um, in the low country. Um, our son, our youngest son went to college at Charleston, so um, and he's still in that area. We get to go down and see him about once every other week. Um, and um, we found a church down in Charleston that we really love, and, and we're very active in that church. We're looking forward to getting back to when we can actually go to church, which is going to be hopefully later on this month. So uh, that's kind of a little bit of history about me and who I am and the things that I've enjoy yeah well scott welcome to uh south carolina for the past what 38 years now and glad you were able to make it home and uh i guess go boilermakers huh uh do you ever do you ever uh do you ever make it to any of the games uh you know i really don't kevin it's been um you know we just haven't um done much to stay connected to my indiana roots um, my wife Laura, she's she was born and raised in Columbia, and that's sort of made South Carolina feel more like home than Indiana now. So, um, no, I haven't been back up there too much. Okay, well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your uh, career here. Tell us about uh, the business uh, and what you do. Tell us about PBI. Sure. So PBI is an acronym. Um, it stands for Polybenzimidazole which is the chemical um, name of the polymer and fiber products that we make. Um, PBI is a very unique material. It was invented in the 1960s by a couple of scientists. Um, one of them was named Dr. Marvel, who's a, a renowned chemist, and um, another was a scientist um, named Vogel, who happened to work for Selenys Corporation. So um, Selenys kind of owned that invention, the PBI um, molecule. They didn't really do much with it until in the mid-60s in the Apollo space program, there was a fire on, um, on the launch pad, unfortunately killed a couple of astronauts, and NASA embarked on a program to develop flame-resistant materials to use in their, in their space program. And they approached Selenys to help them develop PBI fibers that they could use to make um, make spacesuits, and we did that. Um, so uh, that was the first commercialization of the PBI material, and, and it was at that time that they developed a process to convert the polymer into a fiber. But that really didn't um, take off as far as a commercial business until um, in the early 80s. Uh, Selenys had a major acetate plant located in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and they decided to build a PBI plant on their um, on their site here, which they did, and, and that plant started up in 1982. And uh, the primary market that we serve with the materials we make here 
is uh, you mentioned earlier, Kevin, it's the uh, the fire service market. So PBI is the premium product available to go into the outer shell of firefighters' turnout gear. That's the, the fabric on the outside of their jackets and pants and so forth that protects them from heat and direct flame. Um, it's, a, it's a very unique material, and we are the only manufacturer in the world. So that's been our, our, um, our sort of our bread and butter product. Um, we have a lot of other products that we make um, with our polymer materials. Um, we're in a bunch of different markets, aerospace, semiconductor, um, oil and gas, carbon capture, fuel cells. Um, but those are, are fairly small um, um, markets compared to the, um, the business we do in the fire service market. So we're a global presence with our, our fibers in, in that market. Well, Scott, uh, it must be very rewarding knowing that you're working uh, in an industry that, again, is is – First of all, you're supporting the globe, and second of all, you're you're doing something for the good of mankind that uh, can help save lives. Absolutely, I mean we're very proud of, of the product that we make and and the fact that it does exactly what you just said, Kevin. That it it saves people's lives. So you mentioned earlier that you thought you were going to uh, graduate and and maybe start your career with Diamond Shamrock, uh, but that didn't turn out. And so how did you get started in this business? Well, so I, I took a job with a company named Fiber Industries in Greenville, and they were owned by Selenies. Um It was a polyester plant, and uh, I worked there for a year, and then they um, asked me if I'd be willing to transfer to Rock Hill and work in the acetate plant that they had there. And and I accepted that uh, that transfer, and I wound up, spending the next 18 years in a variety of positions in the acetate plant. Um, the acetate business for Selenies was doing very well when I first came to Rock Hill. But by the mid-90s, that business was really starting to suffer. And the, it was in decline. Um, things were, were, were not going well. We eventually got into a point where we were having to downsize um, furlough and, and furlough hourly workers and, and layoff staff, just not a, a very positive environment to be in. My final role with them, I was a maintenance manager, and uh, I went through some really difficult um, things there in, in the downsizing. And I was looking for looking to make a change. Um, I talked to the management of, of the um, company. And let them know that I, I wasn't happy. I didn't want to complete my career working in maintenance. I wanted to do other things. And I, I felt like I'd been 18 years in that plan. I needed to make a change there, too. But uh, they weren't very responsive. They told me that my job was going to be, you know, basically where I was doing the same thing I'd be doing. So I, I said, okay, if that's, you know, if that's what you're offering, then I guess I'm going to have to look for something else. And I actually had my resume out. And I was... Um, looking to make a change. And uh, interestingly enough, I ran into a friend of mine at the gym. And he was the um, guy who was running the PBI plant. And uh, we got to talking while we were both working out. And uh, he told me that he was going in, taking a marketing role with PBI. 
I said, oh, really? Well, uh, who's going to take your job? And he told me, well, we're looking for somebody. Are you interested? <laughs> and I said, yes, I'm very interested. And uh, shortly thereafter, I'd, um, I was able to interview with um, the PBI management, and they offered me the position. And I came on board. That was in 2000. So uh, it really worked out well for me that uh, I was able to make that change at that time because I didn't want to walk away from um, 19 years I'd invested with the company, but um, I needed to get out of the, the role that I was in. And, and so this this just was a, a great opportunity for me to come to PBI. Well, Scott, let's 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 talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced uh, along the way here. You've got you know quite a, a long journey here with PBI, uh, and so what what's been the biggest challenge that you have faced so far in in uh, running this organization? Well, Kevin, without a doubt, for me, the the biggest challenge was what it took in um, going through the process of selling our business from Selenese to the Intertech group. Um, Selenese decided that they were going to exit most of their fiber businesses in the early 2000s. Um, and so they began shopping the PBI business around for sale. And we entered into uh, um, the due diligence fa phase of, of that effort with the Intertech group in the fall of 2004. Um, at that time, we had a team of three people from our side, from PBI, that were um, appointed to basically work with the Intertech Group folks and help, you know, help them navigate their way through their due diligence process and, and uh, bring the sale together. But it put me in a very difficult position because these um, prospective buyers had full access to me and all the information about our business and our operations. Um, and at the same time, I still was working for Selenese. Well, in uh, October of that year, Selenese announced that they were shutting down the main plant in Rock Hill. Um, and that put a huge strain on us trying to pull this sale together and, and make that happen um, in a situation where the, the main site was being shut down. Um, for example, we received all the utility services to run the PBI plant from the main estate plant. So in a period of six months, we had to replace everything. We had to put in natural gas pipeline, a steam boiler. Um, we had to connect to the city of Rock Hill for um, water and sewer services. We had to build a waste treatment plant. We had to put in a nitrogen generator, all, all those, and air compressors. I think that's all of it. Um, all that had to happen in six months. And um, I was just being pulled in so many different directions at that time. It was just, it was really difficult. That, that was that the hardest have, of my career. Oh, that must have seemed like you had three jobs because you still had to run the plant. You had to support due diligence, which is a job in itself. And then having to replace all of the utilities uh, in a six-month period, which is a feat in itself, you, I'm, I'm surprised you were able to get any sleep at all. 
<laughs> I don't I don't know if I did, Kevin. Um, <laughs> and and what re- what really made it difficult, and this is part of why I I uh, felt like this was the biggest challenge I faced, is um, it was a situation where the acetate um, group was opposing this sale. And so they were doing everything they could to undermine it and sabotage it. Um, they were looking at it from the standpoint that they had this big industrial facility. It was over a thousand acres and they wanted to sell the whole thing. Um, and yet they had this little piece of it, the PBI operation that was, that they couldn't package up with the rest of it and sell. So the people that they were talking to that were interested in buying their plant wanted the whole thing. They didn't want to have, uh, you know, a manufacturing operation stuck in the middle of it that they would have to work around. So um, that put put a lot of pressure on us to try and, um, you know, get get to the point where the sale could go through in spite of the opposition that we faced from the, the people that were shutting that main plant down. You know, just in the overall scheme of of trying to make this transaction occur, you just had some tremendous headwinds that you were facing, Scott. And so, tell us about a little bit about how you worked through that. How did you how did you overcome this situation and work your way through that? I just, Kevin, it was lots of long hours and lots of hard work. That's all I can tell you. At one point, I. Um, I got frustrated because I was there was there were some um, things that were being rumors that were being spread. I guess the best way to put it that were not true. And I was um, talking to the main person with the Intertech Group who was heading up their due, due diligence team, and I told him, "This is what they're saying. It's not true. I'm tired of them. You know, trying to make this more difficult for us." Well, he got on the phone with his counterpart, the guy who was in charge of the sale for Selenies, and and uh, basically complained about what was being done. That gentleman called me up and he told me, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have told him that. You better hope the sale goes through or you know, things won't look too good for you um, if, if you're still with us and it doesn't go through. So he basically threatened my job. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And it, so you had the added pressure of, of, okay, now you're working three jobs, three or four jobs uh, at the same location with no guarantee that you're going to have a job when this is all over. Uh, that must've yeah. been a, a really fun time uh, for you, Scott. So, uh, so going through that situation, what did you, what did you take away from that? What was it that you learned from that experience? Well, Kevin, one of the, um, First things I learned is that some people can't be trusted. Um, and, yeah, I, that sounds kind of obvious probably, but these were people, you know, people that I had worked with or worked for that I thought um, would treat me with, you know, respect and dignity and, and understand that this was just business, that, you know, our, our, plan, our operation was being sold. But um, they turned around and stabbed us in the back. It was that was a real eye opener for me. Even if it felt like family, you know, part of the family or part of the group, and and uh, so there's, there's co- corporate politics everywhere. It sounds like. Yeah, evidently. Another thing that I learned is the importance of relationships. Um, I mentioned we had to um, we had to work with the city. Um, we had to get 
um, water services and sewer services from them. We had to, they're the ones who permitted us to operate our waste treatment facility. Um, so I had to um, start developing relationships with key people in the city of Rock Hills um, organization. And the, that has benefited us immensely because um, we've tried to work with those folks and cooperate rather than, you know, push back and resist things that they wanted us to do. We actually wound up getting um, incorporated by the city, our facility, in 2016. Um, and that was another interesting experience, but it, it's gone very well for us, I think, because of the, the relationships that we've been able to establish and build and maintain. Um, so that that's been that was something I learned in going through that whole due diligence and sale process. You know, some of these things, Scott, that we that we learn through these type of experiences. Don't you wish you had somebody just take you aside when you were a young man and just say, "Hey, you're going to need these one day. <laughs> these are you. You better start building social capital. You better start learning how to uh, build relationships uh, on the front end, as opposed to wait waiting until you actually need them." Um, but I'm glad that you were able to uh, take take something away from that experience. Uh, and what a what a difficult hurdle that you worked your way through and 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 come out on the other side of this uh, with with a with a success. So let's speaking of success, let's talk about that. What's been your biggest success since uh, since you've been involved with this organization? So um, when I came to to uh, take over the, the manufacturing operation for, for PBI. This, um, there have been a number of different people that had, had worked here, and it's a very unique process. Um, nobody else in the world makes it, as I mentioned before, so we, we really don't have um, a lot of uh, places we can go to get help when we have problems and so forth. Um, my staff has probably gotten tired of me telling them that, hey, guys, you know, we're the best in the world at making PBI, but you know what? We're also the worst in the world at making PBI. Um, so what I saw once I got um, kind of grounded in this job and, and understood what was going on is that we didn't really know enough about our process to run it well. And so we had a lot of problems we didn't understand. We had a lot of, um, you know, frustrations with getting things to run or getting good yields and conversions and, and just, you know, being efficient. So in 2008, um, I had a retreat with my staff and I said, guys, we got to, we got to create a vision. And the vision that we created uh, was, um, pretty simple. It was master the science of producing PBI. And we have been pursuing that vision now for 12 years. And we've made immense strides toward mastering the science. I'm not sure that we'll ever totally master it, but um, compared to um, the way this plant, this facility ran back in, you know, in the early 2000s compared to the way it runs now, it's, it's night and day. 
So that's been, I feel like that's been our biggest success. And I'm not going to take credit for it personally, but um, you know, I, I think that uh, as an organization, that's been one of our biggest successes. It sounds like what you've done, Scott, was that you actually made it a verb, uh, an actionable item that, you know, you want to continue to work on making PBI uh, or the the science of making PBI or creating PBI the, you know, the best that it can be on a continuous basis and probably have seen continuous improvement throughout throughout the years since you started that initiative in 2008. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. We've seen continuous improvement. We've, we've, um, Oh, during the time I've been with PBI, Kevin, we've rebuilt most of this plant. Um, we've totally rebuilt, um, our polymerization operation, changed the way we, the fundamental way we make our polymer. Um, we're at the tail end of about a four-year project to rebuild the um, section of the process where we uh, spin our fiber. We've replaced most of the major components in the finishing process. Um, we've converted from 100-year-old technology that we were using to um, to process the, the solution that we spin fiber out of, um, we were using a, a plate and frame filter press technology that was ancient and upgraded that to something that's a little bit more modern and a lot more effective. So, yeah, we've tried to make changes throughout, and um, and it, the, the results have paid off in, in uh, you know, huge gains that we've made in, in our, our yields, conversions, productivity. Um, it's been very rewarding to watch that happen. So as you, as you look back, Scott, you, you were the one that decided to have the retreat to create that vision. And what, what do you think if you had to trace back, what, what do you think it was that led you to identify what you needed to do that got you to this position today, to, to the success that you're enjoying today? Um, well, I know why we, we did it when we did, Kevin, we had a major process upset, um, that created, um, uh, a huge problem for our customers. The number of defects in our fiber skyrocketed and, um, it took us, took us a few months to really get that sorted out and under control. But at that point, the damage was done and, um, you know, it, it costs us a lot of money um, and costs us a lot of credibility with our customers and and just sort of disrupted our markets for a while. And that put a lot of negative pressure on, on me and, and the rest of the operation here because of that. And I didn't, I didn't feel very comfortable with that. I said, I, we got to do something to make sure that never happens again. And that was, that was what, um, led us, led me to decide and then pull my staff along with me in, in that effort that we got to do something different. We have to have a vision and, and we have to start um, fixing the, the things that are wrong and improving the way we, we do things here. It's amazing what a little pain will cause you to do, Scott. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's for sure. 
Yeah, you don't you don't want to live that disruptive lifestyle uh, for the rest of your career. You spend too many hours at work uh, to to have to live that way and 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 work that way. So I'm glad that you were able to get that ironed out with with your group. And it sounds like you have a phenomenal team to help you and back you and and support you through that through that process. So Scott, let's just uh, pivot for a second and talk about now that you've gone through uh, these challenges, these successes. Uh, and you've, you, you know, you've, you've had a a storied career up to this point so far of being able to, uh, work with the same, uh, facility, same company for 37, 38 years now, which is, you know, that's, that's a feat to work in a corporation like that, uh, for that long. What is it that you believe makes some people successful and, and, uh, you know, why, why is it that others tend to struggle? Um, well, one of the things, and it kind of relates to what I, um, spoke about as being a a success. I I think it's very important to have a vision, no matter what, whether you're in manufacturing or whether you're in uh, a marketing sales role or, you know, whatever your business is, I think that vision is important. Um, another thing that I've come to realize is that Leadership styles make a difference, and we have um, almost zero turnover here at PBI. Um, 38 years, yeah, that's a long time, but I've probably got um, eight eight or nine folks that have been here more than 40 years, um, and a couple of them have more than 45 years of seniority with the company. Um, People wouldn't stick around and work in a place that long if if the leadership was not making it an attractive place for them to be and making them want to come to work and do their jobs. So, um, you know, I think that's very important. I saw some leadership styles as I was coming along in my career that I definitely did not want to emulate. So um, I've tried to do things to empower my staff, um, give them, um, make them feel comfortable taking risks, make changes, um, and make decisions and try not to micromanage them. And I think that all those things help, um, help, help make PBI successful. So I think that would translate to any, any business. The other thing that I think is important is that you have to have a good work-life balance. That's essential. Um, it, there are going to be periods in anybody's career, um, I know, when you know you can't do that. You you have to put in the hours. You have to do the hard job, whatever it might be. But you can't go on like that for too long. You'll burn out, or it'll create so much disruption in the other parts of your life that it's you know it's not worth it. So I've always tried I've tried to consciously make an effort to maintain that balance and I think that that's important to be successful. Well, Scott, I would certainly agree with you and it's apparent that you know you have created a good vision for your company, you've shown some good leadership. One of the things that you mentioned that 
I say all the time is that you saw some signs of leadership that were negative or didn't necessarily uh, translate to the way that you would have led people uh, or that maybe felt like poor leadership. But one thing's for sure, you certainly learn from good leaders and you learn from bad leaders. (laughs) And the things that you learn from bad leaders, yeah, the things that you learn from bad leaders are uh, what not to do. Right. And so I, I guess, I guess that translated in your career is that, you know, when you saw signs of that bad leadership, that, you know, these are things that you tried not to do going forward, uh, as, as you became, you know, a leader in the company and, and, uh, you know, wanted to uh, create a, a, a great culture and environment for your staff and employees to, to work in. So it sounds like you've had a lot of success there, Scott. And I, I uh, just want to congratulate you on uh, on the tenure and and what you've created there at PBI. H- how is it that you feel about the future of PBI and your business going forward? How, how do you how do you think you guys are positioned? How do you think the future is going to play out for you guys? Well, I'm I'm very optimistic, Kevin. Um, prior to 2020, we'd had five record years in a row record profits, record sales, um, record productivity out of the plant. 2020 and the disruptions from the pandemic and so forth, obviously, we're not going to have a sixth year in a row this year. But the fundamentals of our business haven't changed. You know, We've got a unique product. We're growing our market share worldwide. Um, and we're, we're the best product in all the markets that we serve. And that's a pretty good, um, pretty good place to, to be. I think that at some point down the road, we'll see competition. We'll see another um, producer probably get into um, the PBI business, and we need to be prepared for that. But uh, there's, there's still lots of opportunities for growth for our company. The biggest challenge for us is we've got – um, a pretty senior, uh, the, the senior management team are all kind of at the same point that I am in their careers. So we're going to have a, a lot of turnover from retirements over the next five to 10 years. And we've got to put together a succession plan to make sure that we can pass the baton to the next generation of leadership and let them continue what we've got going here. If we can figure that out and get the right people in the right jobs, then I feel really optimistic about PBI's future. Well, it sounds like from a product standpoint, from a market standpoint, uh, you guys have have a tremendous opportunity ahead of you. If you still have opportunity to increase market share company, um, and can create or have capacity in your company to support that, to support that growth, then it sounds like the future will be bright for, for you guys. And I'm, I'm really happy for you guys, Scott. And uh, I, I really want to thank you for sharing uh, your experiences with our audience today uh, and telling us a little bit about your company and, and your career uh, Scott, we're, we're about out of time and I want to wrap this up. So I want to just ask, where's the best place for our listeners to go to 
learn more about PBI and also maybe connect with you if they want to learn more? Well, okay, Kevin. Um, well, our website is easy to find. It's pbiproducts.com. Um, and that's got a lot of information about you know, the products we make, the markets we serve, um, a little bit about our organization. Um, if somebody wanted to connect directly with me, um, I, I have a, a profile out, out on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm also on the CEBI website. Um, and uh, so there are ways that um, I'm pretty sure that there are ways that we can communicate with each other directly through that website. Is that not, not the case? That That's correct. Uh, that's, that's, uh, on the chief executive board's website, uh, your member profile directory. But, uh, but, it, but if there's people outside of that, uh, then, you know, probably it sounds like the best way to maybe connect is either through your website or on the LinkedIn, uh, on your LinkedIn page. Hey, I want to, uh, Thank our guest today uh, for being with us. Again, it's uh, Scott Groshans with PBI in Rock Hill, South Carolina, has been our guest. And Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been a great interview, and I hope that we can get you back uh, again for uh, another time on the show. Sounds great, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. The Lessons from the Boardroom podcast is sponsored by Chief Executive Boards. It's lonely at the top. But that doesn't mean you need to go it alone. We've got your back. At Chief Executive Boards, you have access to business best practices, insights, and resources that can help you eliminate the stress, anxiety, and pitfalls of running a business. Whenever you're ready, here's how we can help. Number one, get a copy of Kevin's book, In Search of Balance, The Business Owner's Guide to Building a Business and a Life, at chiefexecutiveboards.com book. Number two, attend a Chief Executive Board's event in your area to find out if CEBI can help you. For a list of upcoming events in your area, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com slash events or call 864-527-5917.